Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. And there is a disease out there that affects more than a million Americans, type 1 diabetes. The leading global organization that funds type 1 diabetes research is JDRF. And our guests today, Lindsay Larkin, Emma Murphy, and Delilah Sanabria, are all part of JDRF. In one form or another, Lindsay, Delilah, and Emma, thanks for being here. Welcome. Thanks. Thank Thanks for having Thank us. You. I'm glad to have you here. Um, we'll talk about type 1 diabetes and JDRF and, and raising some funds to research this in just a bit here. Hopefully we'll cover the whole thing. <laughs> it's a big topic, but uh, we got a lot to cover. Uh, let's start with some basics. So, Lindsay, you're the Senior Development Manager here at the Northwest Chapter of JDRF, right? I am. And Emma, you are one of this year's ambassadors for the Beat the Bridge Run, right? I am, and you, yes. So you live with type 1 diabetes. I do. And are, what, 16-year-old sophomore in high school? Yes. All right. Go Enumclaw Hornet. And Delilah, you're the promotions coordinator at radio station Moving 92.5 right here, one of the sponsors of this year's Beat the Bridge, but you also live with type 1 diabetes, right? Yes, I do. And Going on 15 years now. Wow. And Emma, <laughs> 15 years, how about you? You've been li- 15 years, yeah. But wow. see, nice. you're a little older than she is, so you've been living with it almost your whole life. Pretty much, yep. So we got to figure this out, right? Uh, <laughs> type 1 diabetes and JDRF, let me start with you, Lindsay. I mean, a lot of people might know Wait a minute, JDRF, oh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. You don't really call it juvenile diabetes anymore because through research, we've learned a lot more about it. It's not a juvenile disease, is it? Agreed. Yes, exactly. We we changed our legal name to JDRF so that we can kind of get away from that juvenile. A lot of people still understand it a little bit when you say juvenile. But it's type 1 diabetes, and it it can strike, unfortunately, at any age. We've seen people, you know, well into middle age get it and older. And, uh, of course, as Delilah knows, you don't get rid of it when you turn 18. So (laughs) it's definitely um, 80% of those with type 1 are actually adults in America. And what differentiates it from when people hear diabetes? A lot more people think of type 2 diabetes as a—they're really— completely different, aren't they? they they're they very different, yes. They they both are having to do with the pancreas, So with but, with but with type 1 diabetes, it is an autoimmune disease. And so it's where your pancreas is getting um, attacked by your, your own um, immune system and not allowing your pancreas to create the insulin you need to turn your food every day into energy and uh, keep you alive. So with type 2... Uh, you, your your body is still producing a little bit of that insulin. Your pancreas is working a little bit, just not to its full potential. Wow. So I know I got a lot of questions. I could go a whole bunch of different ways. <laughs> Let's stock, stick with some basics here for a while, though. Um, as it's diagnosed, like Emma, you were a kid, a, a baby, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't remember my and, and Delilah. So. You t- so something must be going on that a parent says, uh, I'm not. I'm not feeling right. Can you recall the change in right. your body? Absolutely. So I can tell you the exact moment my mom had a feeling I had the disease. I was on a plane to Florida with my family, had to keep using the restroom nonstop. And mind you, I was in a middle seat, so my parents were not happy about that. <laughs> and for some reason, we didn't switch the entire flight. So I kept having to go. And that led to my mom making me keep a list when we got back home of when I was using the restroom and how often. And now that was, I can't even tell you how many times within even an hour or two. It was probably 20 or more. It was a lot. So that's what led her to bring me to the emergency room. 
And she luckily was a little familiar with the symptoms because she works for an eye clinic. So she sees many diabetics at the eye clinic. They come through all of the time. So that was thankfully good in my case. But then the doctor diagnosed me there. And she knew it just from literally just being on the plane and using the restroom a lot. And I know everyone has different symptoms when they're first diagnosed. But that was my case. And a little different on my end as well was you're supposed to be sent to the hospital so you can learn those first few steps of how to manage and kind of learn in a small course, I would say, or at least in a few days how to go home and then start that process of managing. And with me, we didn't. We were on a, I would say, a long car drive to find an open pharmacy just to find insulin that night. Wow. I was not sent to the hospital like I should have been. So it was a very interesting night on July, on a July 3rd. So I called it my dependence day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so how about you, Emma? What are the stories you know about uh, as a youngster in type Well, um, the stories I've heard about my diagnosis is that since I was only one, I was, you know, it's a little baby toddler walking around the house. And um, my mom always told me when she would open up the fridge and ask me, what do you want to drink? And there'd be like apple juice, milk, and water. I'd always go for the water. It was water and more water and more water. And then I would wake up and kind of embarrassing, but my diaper would be soaked all the way through. And so, and then one day I was at my grandparents' house and I was just really lethargic. And they were just, so my mom was just like, well, maybe we should check this out. And then the doctor was like, we went to a doctor's appointment and they checked, they checked some level of something. And they were like, the doctor called my dad back in like five minutes after we left and said, go to the emergency room right now. And I is actually going into ketoacidosis. That's a fancy word. Yeah. (laughs) So basically I was, my body was eating itself from the inside out to try to get energy because there was no insulin left in my system. Yeah. So. So it has some crazy symptoms that if you don't know, but there has been enough research on it that, I mean, like you said, you eat right away the doctors know what's going on mm-hmm. and <laughs> something's going on with the pancreas and says uh, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. So, <laughs> Lindsay, how much, uh, I mean, we've learned a lot about type 1 diabetes over the years, but yeah. we don't know why the pancreas stops working or doesn't work in the first place, do we? We still can't quite figure that out. There's a ton of different research going on even here locally and it's uh, come a long way, but like you said, uh, we're finding better therapies to help make life easier, but we're we haven't quite figured out what it is that that's causing it, what the root is, so we can we can get to that and and stop it. And and like, are there risk factors known? Uh, I mean, different populations, genetics. I mean, is running your family of someone who has it? I mean, yes or no? Do they know that much about it? In my case, no, it didn't run in my family, and that's something still to this day we are confused about. And I think Emma can also relate to that because yeah, she is well. It doesn't run in my family yeah. either. It just appeared. It just shows up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But they're figuring there are some some factors that they're looking at, environmental factors, some genetics. They have um, down actually at BRI, the Benaroy Research Institute here in town, uh, we fund some studies there, and we actually get a chance to speak with some of those researchers sometimes. And one of the things that they, they've started saying and, and kind of testing is siblings and other family members to see if they have those antibodies in you that are that are, are factors that they can see if it's potential potentially going to turn into type 1. Um, but they just can't quite figure out what it is that's actually causing it. But they're trying to find ways to prolong that diagnosis to um, – Hopefully, just make 
the the diagnosis a little bit easier, not as as drastic as a lot of people, as Emma was saying, she was in ketoacidosis. That's very scary. And so if there's if there's other things that we can do to help make sure that we're catching these these signs early, that we're making sure that people are are understanding what it means and getting tested having their blood sugar tested right away, then we can kind of um, help ease that that diagnosis and it's not has to it doesn't have to be quite so traumatic. And does it get does it progress? Does it change as you get older? Have you had it longer? Does it get worse or does the pancreas complete do they even know that kind of thing? <laughs> um it kinda depends. I mean, if you manage it well, it's it'll mm-hmm, right. be better for your body and it prolongs your life and everything. But like it's a constant change of trends. Like there could be a trend one week and then it completely changes the next week. And so it's kind of just keeps you on your toes all the time. And so it's just a constant, like how much insulin do I get for this? How much insulin do I get for that? And then it's just a constant, constant And it's always different. It's always different. But but to your point, we have found, um, you know, ways of, of treating it and making the therapies better to live healthier lives. You know, even 30, 35 years ago, uh, we were looking at um, people were going blind. You know, there was a lot of chance of amputation. There's a lot of chance of, of different things. Your organs, it's so hard on your organs if you're um, not treating it and making sure that you're using insulin when you need it and um, eating well and still being healthy. Uh, so it's just important that people are, are taking care of themselves when they have type 1 and they can live a very long, healthy life. But even 30 years ago, they weren't. Well, let me go to that living with type 1 then. So, thir- I mean, you got to check your blood sugar how often? A lot. Not just yeah. before and after you think I'm going to eat coming soon, but Right. All when, the time, right? Whenever you feel something strange, you check it. Whenever you're going to do an activity, you probably check it before. Honestly, it ranges so much. Everyone is different with this disease. So you work in an office, you mm-hmm. sit at a desk a lot, but you also, you're the promotions coordinator for Moving 95. You sometimes go out in the field and have yeah. to spend days on the run, lifting things, moving, setting up mm-hmm. things. and. That affects your, your It definitely insulin? does, yes. And I'm not on a pump, which is one of the technologies that treats type 1 diabetes. And that is also pretty rare nowadays that I'm still on syringes and using just the vial. So, yes, I do have to step aside a lot, and you have to remember to do that. Sometimes it's hard with a go, go, go type atmosphere and job. So a person like you mm-hmm. has to then decide, remember... I got to check my right. blood sugar. Yes, it's absolutely. been a while and mm-hmm. I might need to give myself <laughs> yeah. a big injection too. Or I mean, it, that varies too, depending on what reading yes. you get. But the one good thing about diabetes too, is it really, and again, this is not the case with everyone, but you know, you learn to understand your body and it is such a roller coaster of a disease, but you know, if something's off or not feeling right, whether that's you're moody or you're shaky or anything along those lines. And so now I'm guessing with today's I don't know, high-tech 21st century world, <laughs> smartphones, apps, and there are monitors and pumps. You, we said the word pump. and There are actually are a lot of ways that we can monitor this and work with it yeah. with, through technology, right, Emma? Yep. Now, yeah, what's your situation? Okay, so for me, I wear an insulin pump and the Dexcom sensor. You wear a pump. Now, yeah. I guess describe this in a <laughs> so sensor. There's, there's a little, um, I don't know how big the circle would be, but like a little patch that goes on. There's a... Yeah, size we of call a it a port. Okay. Yeah, about a quarter size, and it's called a port. And so it goes in, and I have a tubing pump, so the tube comes out of it and connects to the pump, which is autom- like constantly giving me a daily or a regular bolus of insulin. I, what's it called? Basil. And so that um, helps me to 
keep that regulated and then I have to manually enter in how many carbs I'm eating at a meal or like a snack or my blood sugar and that's and it'll automatically calculate that for me so that makes it easier so I don't have to do the calculations in my head but then the Dexcom which makes things a whole lot easier it's it has minimized how many pricks I have to do during the day but it goes in my arm or on my stomach or on my hip and it's and, a continuous glucose yeah monitor. yeah this and is so, a, a glucose monitor. Yeah, so it's constantly monitoring my blood sugar, and it goes to my phone. So it Bluetooths to my phone, and then it just constantly reads and makes it so easy because it's it's really accurate most of the time. And so then I can just I can look at it and say, oh, I'm 160 going down. Maybe I should have a snack soon or something. So, so. it might give you an alert. It might beep and say, yeah. hey, Emma, uh, we're at 110. Let's yeah. wake up here. It's kind of funny. It'll go off in the middle of class and everyone will be like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, "It's don't <laughs> worry, guys. It's just my sensor. It's okay. So let me... Oh, wow. Um, okay. I got a lot of things I want to ask. I, <laughs> a kid like at an elementary school can't take care of themselves. The, the nurse there has yep. to get yeah. the monitor so yep. that it goes beep, beep in the nurse's office or something? Yeah, well, and, I would, or the teacher? Or? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when I was a kid, I was on... I just had the pump. I didn't have the sensor till middle school, high school. but It's I, newer. Yeah, it's a newer technology. But when I was in elementary school, I would always go up to the nurse before um, before lunch, and we would check, and she'd give me, a, give me an uh, injection. And uh, then when I got the pump, she would help me to calculate the carbs and do all of that stuff. But, I mean, today, I mean, more and more kids are having phones now, but um, just there's a lot more technology to, that allows the parents to have a little more ease of mind with it so like the artificial pancreas is something that just does everything on its own and so, so the person has to do nothing so the kid just wears it all day and doesn't have to worry about anything wow so that sounds like a really big step yeah. right this artificial pancreas what yeah this so that does was the monitoring actually, and the distributing of insulin yeah so we uh, so pumps have been around for quite some time and this continuous glucose monitor sensors have been around a while but it's it's only been probably in the last four or five years that they've become pretty mainstream and a lot of people have had access to them with insurance and all those types of things. Um, but they were still separate and separate technologies. But now, um, about a year ago, we've started um, getting approval from the FDA of some of these items that are these two technologies that can now talk to each other. They've become so smart. And of course, this is way above what I can comprehend. But they, <laughs> the scientists have figured out how to make that continuous glucose monitor talk to the insulin pump and do a lot more of those calculations for individuals. It's awesome. still not... A hundred percent. There's still a little bit, you know, and of course you have to um, keep an eye on all those things and still manage it yourself. But it's it for especially for little ones, it's it's helpful throughout the night. As Emma said, you have to get up in the middle of the night and check your blood. And so, um, if mom is is sleeping, then the alarms will go off, which is very helpful, especially with the littlest kiddos and even even independent adults. You know, if you're not, if your body isn't waking up because you've gone low. Um, have a low blood sugar gone low. Um, <laughs> little uh, local terminology. Little, you know, I can't our, wake up anyway. Yeah, right. You sleep through it. But um, these technologies are are helping that and making it um, much safer for sleep, sleeping through the night and for those to manage their. That's their awesome. I mean, well, this just goes to show how important more study and research yes. is needed. And, and JDRF funds this kind of research, right? Yes. So you guys are, is it the the biggest funder of 
diabetes research uh, JDR? Yeah, in, nonprofit in the funder. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the need. Yeah. So the event coming up soon, right? Uh, yeah. Beat the bridge. Mm-hmm. Got, you guys done this uh, year after year. <laughs> Sunday, May 20th, Husky Stadium, right? Yes. Yep. All right, so let's talk about what Beat the Bridge is, and the, yeah. you really do have to beat the bridge. Yeah, this you is not just a cute the name. There's actually yes. a <laughs> Okay, Emma, so... so okay. Um, so it's the, a run. Well, little, a little race. bit of history of it. It is the Nordstrom Beat the Bridge. Nordstrom yep. actually started it 36 years ago and uh, for a family that, that worked there, and um, they made $0 that first year. <laughs> That's a bad fundraiser. That's um, a bad fundraiser. So, of Glad course, they, they, they stepped up, and, and the Nordstrom's helped um, make sure that that continued on. And um, so 36 years later, our goal is $2.3 million this year. So it's grown yeah. a lot. So, yes. Boy, it's nice to have a corporate sponsor like Nordstrom to <laughs> yeah. stick yes. around and they're, do that. They're fantastic. They get all their employees involved. Um, they help. If you've seen the design um, at BeatTheBridge.org. You can see the design, and they do that every year for us, and they always do the coolest things, of course. And uh, they they help put that together, that whole event. They they truly are a, a partner with JDR for this event. Yeah. So there's a race, there's a run, there's a family walk, there's a shorter yeah. one, but the race to beat the bridge. Yeah. So I think the university bridge goes up and yeah, it comes does. down. It's, it's the drawbridge. It's the one mile run that. I think it's a three. Is it the three k or whatever it's, it's called? Eight uh, k. 8K. 8K. That's what I'm, I'm not yeah, sure how many yeah. miles. So I don't know how many miles 8K. Five. Huh? Is it five yeah. miles? So there's okay. a five-mile run, a one-mile fun run, a three-mile walk, which is the family walk, and then it goes around the whole uh, University of Washington campus, which is what me and my family do. And then there's the cute diaper derby at the end with all the little <laughs> kids, and they oh, have to yes. run. Sweet. It's really cute. I actually won that one year, but <laughs> I, I don't mean to brag, but... <laughs> But now, so so you you take off from Husky Stadium at like eight in the morning or something. There's yeah. a, like we said, there's a number of races. So when one of these the biggest race starts, you cross the Montlake Bridge, then you go around the what is it, the Roanoke neighborhood, and you got to come back yeah. before the University Bridge goes up. Yep. So you, you got to run. Have you, you been run. practicing, Delilah? You oh boy, <laughs> not enough. That's for sure. You got to beat the bridge. I have never Otherwise... done an 8K, but yes, I am motivated to beat the bridge. It will be a challenge, though. <laughs> so this is the I'm kind excited. of fun. You got to you get yourself a team. Yes. You gather sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. And you raise. You say, come on, I'm going to race and I'm going to beat the bridge, and I need you guys to support sp- support support yeah. research on type one. So are you? You've been doing this a long time since diaper derby, okay, Emma. <laughs> yep. how, how much money can each person or team expect or hope to raise? Do um, you set goals for yourself each year? We do set goals for ourselves. So on the Beat the Bridge website at your team, you can make like a team page. And so then you can set a goal there where people can go and donate however much. Like it could be $10 or $100, whatever they want to donate. And so it makes it easy to do online fundraising. And then there's also me and my family do a poker party every year to raise money too. <laughs> And so there's just a ton of different ways you could just, I mean, even just coming to the walk and not raising any money is a great support, but there's a lot of ways you can raise the, that money. Beatthebridge.org is uh, the website, right? Yep. So um, there's a team. So Delilah, you have Moving 92.5 sponsoring you, helping you get yeah, some so listeners Yeah, so Moving to... is new to this partnership with JDRF this year, and Lindsay was great in helping us start that, so thank you. Yeah. And I actually have my own personal team, but oh, okay. yes, some of my coworkers from Moving as well will be there, and Moving will also have a booth on site. But my personal team is Team Tie-Dye, 
T1D DYE. Oh. And so Clever. that's a little different than moving. Yeah. But and, and we'll all be there. Delilah just gave out her team's website. You want to give out yours? <laughs> a little oh. competition here. Uh, yeah. My team is Emma Jane's Gang. Emma Jane's Gang. Yeah. It's like now you guys got to raise some money each here. Hopefully yep. people Perfect. are listening. And we'll... <laughs> yes, please donate. That would be fantastic. Yeah. We'll reach their goal. <laughs> yep. and, the, and the big goal of 2.3 million. Yes. So how many people turn up for Beat the Bridge every year? Yeah. It must be growing a every lot. year. Then it, it grows. It grows every year. And uh, last year we hit 10,000 participants and we expect to have at least that again. Um, and of course we expect to have a beautiful summer day and, and folks can come out and hang out. <laughs> as, as Emma said, it's, it's a great way to bring your family, friends, and colleagues, teachers, classmates, and just make a day of it and support each other and learn about type 1 diabetes. And um, it's just a big rally where we can all just kind of be part of that community. It's pretty yeah. pretty intense and wonderful to see. We are talking this morning with Delilah Santabria, Emma Murphy, and Lindsay Larkin from the JDRF's Western Washington chapter and uh, Beat the Bridge. Northwest so chapter. Northwest chapter. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. I <laughs> I know. I'll just find it on beatthebridge.org. That's what yep. I really was trying to get. The 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 Beat the Bridge race, racing starts with a number of different races, like 8 o'clock, the three-mile walk. Then there's a one-mile fun run. Then there's the wheelchair race. Then the 8.30 is the start of the 8K race. And at 8.50, <laughs> that bridge is going up. The drawbridge is going up if you're yep. not across it or not. So some people are going to be sitting there on the other side. We, we do try and make it a little fun. There'll be a band. Brooks hangs out out there, oh, so passes yep. out some it. sunglasses. There'll be a big party on this side of the bridge, too. Now, how but. about running and monitoring your blood sugar? Well, are there a station or two along the way where people that's could a, say, There uh, are stations, yep. yes. Nope, that's a great Great and question. Then nobody blames you if you run and beat the bridge and then walk the rest of the way. Yes. No oh. one will blame you if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have stations, obviously water stations like any normal race, yeah. but we also have glucose stations where we've got glucose tabs that if, if somebody is type 1 and they're going low, they need something to bring their blood sugar back up, we've got little tablets, different things that we can help them bring their blood sugar back up to a safe range. And Husky Stadium is open the day before people want to register and have yet and they said oh, I'm gonna do that so the 19th people can stop by and uh, yeah. and register for the race and pick up their packets and for these kind of things right yep, yep. people okay. can stop by over there one o'clock on on Saturday and uh, we'll be there you can get signed up get your packet get all that good stuff and ready to go because you got to be there early on Sunday <laughs> Montlake Boulevard does close we close that to traffic at 7:30, so you got to be there um, to make sure that you can get to the, the start line on time. But the nice thing is, is they've got the light rail open now. So you can take oh, the light rail excellent. right up to the, that start line. So that's <laughs> a, a good way to get in there, too. It's a little secret now. Uh, let me ask about the atmosphere at event like this. Now, who's done it before here? I've, I've done it before. What's it like? I mean, it must be, like you said, thousands of people all yeah. kind of there for the <laughs> same cause. Did you know anybody like in preschool, elementary school, before you get to junior high and high school, other kids with type 1 or not. I mean, you must feel kind of good to see, gee, there's another 10,000 people here just yeah. like me. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, there's not, I know a few type 1 diabetics in my area, but I mean, we're not like really close friends or anything. We probably should be, but we're not. Um, <laughs> but it's cool to get to that event and just see how many people really know what I go through every single day and what, like, they know how it affects me and not not just me, but my whole family and their they're all affected by it. So it's cool to see that I'm not alone in that battle. 
and just to see how many people really do support me and the charity that I support and just the support on that day is really amazing. And it's just such a fun atmosphere because everyone's like, they want to be there. It's not just, oh, I was forced to be here by my mom. It's a fun day. So, okay. I, I had a lot of things pictured in my mind that went back to strollers and kids in strollers. And, yeah. But, yeah, for a while, your parents bring you, but mm-hmm. you got to a point where, no, this is my cause. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, I want to be there every single year and just to see everybody that comes out. And it's, it's really amazing. And, you know, this is so important. Uh, Lindsay, what are some of the benefits besides the research? There's other programs you guys actually support for people yeah. living with uh, type 1, right? Yeah, exactly. So our, our main goal, obviously, is is to find that cure. And end of story, that is what we want to do. But in in the time being, we are trying to find ways to help better treat and um, help people live live with this disease. And uh, a big way that we do that, in addition to uh, supporting all the fundraiser or supporting all the research, is um, our outreach. We do um, try and help people when they're, they're first learning that they have type 1 diabetes. We have what we call a bag of hope that we give to Seattle Children's and um, hospitals in the area. And so if a kiddo goes into the hospital and they figure out that they have type 1 and they're diagnosed. You mean if they went to the hospital like they were told to do, but some people but like some people Delilah didn't, didn't did. go to the hospital <laughs> the first day? I did get to that step later. Oh. And actually, after Lindsay finishes with this, I, JDRF holds a very special place in my heart. And you'll yeah. see why I think she's getting to okay, that step. Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I went off the rails. No, I, I know Delilah enough. I can kid her a little, but tell me more about the bag of so, hope. So the bag of hope is a backpack that's got some great information about type one and it helps kind of um, with the basics of what it is and, and some resources for parents to reach out. Um, we do have a, a mentor program that we hook up families um, to support each other. And then um, in the bag, actually, I think is everybody's favorite part is our <laughs> teddy bear Rufus, who has type one diabetes. Aww. And Rufus. everybody's got Rufus, and he, um, yeah, definitely is uh, a support for a lot of these newly diagnosed families. Yes, yeah. and so when I finally did get to the hospital, yes. well, to the endocrinologist, my first diabetes doctor appointment, they did give me that bag of hope. I still have my Rufus bear. Oh, nice! It means a lot to me. Yes. So what's special about Rufus too is. He has little colored patches on his body that represent the areas in which you can take your injections. And so Rufus, like I said, JDRF holds a special place in my heart because that's something I will always remember is the little bag of hope when I was first diagnosed. And it was very comforting when I was first going through that. Yeah. We are going to run out of time here, ladies, in just a few (laughs) minutes. So I want to make sure we we, uh, double up on what we should have told everybody or if we left something out about uh, type 1 diabetes and the Beat the Bridge coming up. So it's it's Sunday, May 20th, right? Husky mm-hmm. Stadium. Mm-hmm. Check in before, I don't know, 6.45 a.m., right? Because mm-hmm. the race starts early because the bridge is going to go yep. up. So you got to yep. time this right, folks. Uh, but people living with type 1, it sounds like, know how to take care of their, <laughs> watch the clock and, yeah, yeah. and are good at this, all right? You get uh, very good at that. <laughs> all right, so what, what do we want to say? What do we leave out that, you know, you really like to hammer home to people about type one diabetes? I think one thing for me would be that type 1 diabetes doesn't define the person. I try not to let it define me, but it, I show that it's a part of me. So it's not like if you see someone wearing a pump, ask them what it's about. Don't say, don't just say, what the heck is that thing and judge them on it. It's part of them. They, they can't change anything about it. So just 
be understanding about it and try to understand what they are going through. It'll mean a lot to every single diabetic that you talk to. And you participate in all all the regular things high school kids do, right? You Mm -hmm. uh, do sports or school activities? Yeah. Yeah, but you just do it and you happen to have type 1 diabetes. Yeah. It doesn't define you. I like that. Delilah, what do you want to say or make sure people remember, take away from today's conversation? My biggest thing is education is key, and I can't stress that enough with this disease. Whether you know someone who has it, you have it yourself, your friend has it, learn as much as you can kind of in relation to what Emma was saying. Don't let it define you as a person if you have it, but it's someone else who's looking on to this and seeing the disease or maybe sees it around them but doesn't know much about it. Learn as much as possible. It's, it's so important because even if someone doesn't necessarily say anything about it, Like myself, for example, may not say I'm going through a low blood sugar, but you see me pull out a juice box, say, are you okay? And that kind of thing, just knowing a little bit about the disease is better than knowing nothing at all, just to be aware of it. And Lindsay, Senior Development Manager, Director at JDRF, what what do we need to know about either Beat the Bridge or Type 1 Diabetes or JDRF? There's so many ways you can get involved. You know, some people don't can't make it to beat the bridge or don't want to do the race. We've got events all over. Uh, we have actually a walk down in South Sound coming up on the 12th. We do a walk over in Spokane. So if you're in the area and want to do one of our other events, we also have a fabulous gala um, that will happen next March. So look us up at jdrf.org and see all the other ways you can get involved, too. All right. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate you being here today. We've been talking today with Lindsay Larkin uh, at JDRF, Delilah Santabria from Moving 92.5, and Emma Murphy, this year's ambassador for the Beat the Bridge Run. And like I said, it's coming up on May 20th, beatthebridge.org. Folks, go and look and support somebody. Beat the Bridge raises lots of money for JDRF. And let's turn type one into type none. Is yeah, that, did I get that right? Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. I am Thank Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.